Hello friends, before we get started with episode with episode 304, no take two, I am going to read a new five-star review on iTunes of this very podcast so you know that, uh, you know, you maybe made the right decision. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you made the wrong decision and you're going to slowly figure that out. But according to these reviews, you've made the right decision by tuning into this here podcast. This five-star review was left uh, August 20. 20- Fifth, by my buddy Jason Jones. Uh, five stars, heading of the title, turds. Love this guy, completely full of farts. It's great. Like I told you, you leave a five-star review and a comment, I will read it. Honestly, if you re- leave a one-star, I'll probably, I'll probably read that too. Um, thank you, Jason. I miss you. Hope everything's good up in, uh, in North County. Go Raptors. That's for his wife, Layla. All right. Uh, If you want yours read, go to iTunes. Leave a five-star review and a comment, and I'll read it here in the opening buffer. Uh, Modern Mail is over a million views. If you want to support, there's merchandise you can buy. Subscribe to the YouTube page. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. It's all at Zoltan Comedy. Uh, I have a membership program on my YouTube page where you can give me money monthly. It is internet panhandling, but you get extra stuff. Uh, like shout-outs on the podcast and a weekly live, which is just for members. Uh, that's when I do a live stream on YouTube. That's for the uh, top-tier members. And then the lower-tier members get first access at videos. And the middle-tier members get full episodes of the podcast with video. You guys get the audio for free on the iTunes and the Spotify. But if you want to see my mug, which, let's be honest, that's about 99.9% of my appeal the words are just 1%, but my dumb face really sells what I'm saying. Well, you get to do that by being a member. Go to YouTube slash Zoltan Cassis and click the Join button. You'll get more information there. Is that enough swilling? Is that enough selling? I believe it is. Let's do the show. Hit the music. This week in Zoltan. Action. Yeah, hey everybody, welcome to the show, welcome to This Week in Zoltan, coming at you. It is September 2nd, 2020, and we are, we're still here, we're still alive. Uh, I'm running out of t-shirts, I'll be honest, this is for the video people. I am running out of t-shirts to wear for you guys, I realize that. I realized that I had the same shirt on that I wore for last week's episode, and then I quickly took that off, then I put the next one on, and I realized I've worn this like four times. I need a new t-shirt collection, so if anyone has like a new cool t-shirt design that you wouldn't mind passing along to me, or uh, is there a favorite type of shirt, do you have a favorite sports team, do I need to be wearing more Milwaukee Bucks gear, I don't know, whatever it is, throw me a suggestion, because I'm running out of shirts, oh, a hit of the H2O, hope everyone's doing well. Uh, I am living, I am surviving, and uh, this is still going on. Podcasts are getting recorded, some podcasts are getting censored, uh, some podcasts uh, keep going with no listeners. This isn't one of them. We got a good, we're in the quadruple digits. Is that four? Yeah, we got a good amount of listeners, and it's thanks to you guys. Um, let's start off with, since we were talking about podcasts, since we, who am I even talking about? It's me. Talking about podcasts, uh, Mr. Joe Rogan, the podcast king of the world. Uh, he's he's officially moved over to Spotify. That's where you got to go to get his podcasts. And uh, they they left off some episodes from his catalog, and it's quite quite 
it's causing quite the scuttlebutt. Uh, people are upset. My, one of them is my buddy Sam Tripoli. Uh, his his episode isn't a part of the collection, and I you know that's uh, Spotify's choice. Joe Rogan took a hundred million dollars to put his whole podcast collection on Spotify. So if Spotify wants to go, hey, I don't want to air these episodes. I don't know about Mr. Rogan, but if that was me, I'd be like, I don't care. Your check cleared. I have a hundred million dollars in my bank account because you bought all these podcast episodes. You don't want to air episode 151? I don't care. You don't want to air episode 3? That's cool. You want to put episode 5 up five times and play it in reverse? Whatever. A hundred million dollars you could take my entire podcast catalog and burn it in front of my family. For a hundred million dollars. Are you kidding me? I don't know what... I, I, I don't know how much money Joe Rogan has, but I'm going to assume that a hundred million dollars is a lot of money to him. Like, if they were to give me... If Spotify gave me a million dollars and said, we want to buy your entire stand-up collection, but we're going to leave out all the punchlines. So every album that we put up on, on Spotify is just going to be da-da-da-da-da, da-da, and next track. No bada, no punchline, no haha, no whatever. But here's a million dollars. I'd be like, I don't care. I stopped listening when you said a million dollars. I don't care if you take my jokes and edit them to make it seem like I'm a racist, xenophobic, sexist, uh, uh, what's the one that's against the gays? That one and the other one. I don't care if you rearrange my own words to make me sound like that as long as you give me a million dollars. Because you know what that is to me? A million dollars. It's so much money. And I know there's some people out there like a million dollars isn't that much money in these days. Yeah, well, I don't have it. It's a lot to me. I got a baby pool out front. Maybe we get an upgrade to the real deal. It makes quite the difference. So from Joe Rogan's standpoint, I don't think he cares. I don't know. He shouldn't care. Maybe he does. Maybe he wants to fight for freedom of speech, which is cool. But I don't know if it's a freedom of speech issue. I don't think it's a First Amendment issue. I think freedom of speech is getting to say your opinion on public property. But Spotify is a private company, I believe, right? This might be a weird example, but isn't someone crying that this is censorship and uh, against you know the First Amendment? Isn't that like if I went to a coffee shop and asked if I could put on a stand-up show, and they said no... And then I say, you're infringing my First Amendment rights. I don't think so. That's a private property. If I want to go yell some jokes in the street, public, I don't think they can stop me. That's freedom of speech. But I think once I break the threshold of a coffee shop, I think that's their business now. And I think that's what Spotify is. I think that's what all this social media, like when people get banned from Twitter and all that stuff. And they're like, oh, they're infringing on my First Amendment rights. I... I I'm not a lawyer, but I don't think so. It's a private business. You can still go to the steps of the library and scream it like everyone else who lives outside. I, you know, I know it's hard to connect with followers that way, but I believe that's still open for you to do. But either way, $100 million for Rogan's entire podcast collection and future podcasts for the next however many years. It could be the rest of my life. 
if Mr. Spotify or Mrs. Spotify, whoever runs that company, came up to me and was like, here's $100 million, I would look right back at them. I would cut them off. I wouldn't even wait for them to ask or say what was next. I would just go, who do you want me to kill? $100 million? You could pick five. We could set up a punch card for you. The sixth one, on the house. $100 million. That's so much money. That's so much money, you don't have to live in society. Do you ever think about like how much $100 million is? You don't have to live in society. Oh, there's rioting and protests in the street? I wouldn't know. I'm in a gated community on top of a hill, and poor people's cars don't have the horsepower to get up here. I am, on, I am living on pretty much a different planet, a different plane, different society. I'm having dinner with the Rockefellers and the other family. You know, the, the biggins. $100 million. Air whatever episodes you want. I couldn't care less. Am I missing any other angles on this? Am I? I know maybe you're screaming it at me. Yes, how about blah, 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 but I can't hear you. I think that's every angle. And I feel bad for the, the people that are getting held out of these episodes. I do, because... Rogan is Mr. Podcast Numero Uno, and being on his show is so big for whatever you do. It's a great place to promote whatever the hell you do, whether you're an actor or a writer or a comedian or just crazy. Whatever you are, it's a great promotional tool for you. And like I said, my buddy Sam Tripoli, his episode got cut, and he's a good guy. Sam's a good guy. He's been nice to me. For years. I, I haven't gotten to work with him in a couple of years, but he's always been a sweet and genuine person. And uh, it's a shame that that his episode isn't being posted. I should mute that. There we go. Uh, yeah, it's a shame. It's a damn shame. But so it goes. Uh, $100 million, I... I, I I just love to picture the idea of Joe Rogan sitting like Scrooge McDuck on the top of that diving board right before you dive into all the coins, you know? And then he's like on his phone and he's reading the articles or he, he's like reading that Spotify is not going to play his entire catalog and it's going to uh, not air some of the episodes. I just, I just figure him dabbing his tears with like a handful of cash, like the million dollar man from 1980s wrestling, just... Oh, that's what a shame. But who knows? Rogan's such a, you know, fight the power kind of guy. He might actually be upset about it, but I wouldn't be. $100 million. Who do you want dead? Spotify. Do you ever need a hitman? I'm your guy. That's the guy. Look at that smile. Look at that smile. That smile will kill someone for you gladly for $100 million. Just point them out. Make sure I don't know them. But even if I do, I'd still do it. $100 million. Uh, What did I just get here? I just got a text. Offred, Offred does the worst British accent. Wow, she really does. That was a uh, that was a Handmaid's Tale 
tweet, message, text, whatever it is. That's the other thing I've been watching. I'm done with The Handmaid's Tale. I don't. I, I know I talked about it last week. Last week I had finished season one, and I was into like the second episode of season two. I have now finished season two, and then I got into season three, but I'll be honest, I fell off after the second or third episode of season three of Handmaid's Tale because I was invested in that character, Offred, or June, or... Al Jefferson or Alfredo, whoever she belongs to now, I was interested and invested into that character getting out of Gilead. And here's a spoiler alert. She has two opportunities. In the, at the end of the second season, she makes it all the way to the border, and she doesn't go. She doesn't go. She turns around, and she goes, I'm not going to go because i got to get my kid out of here, which I get but you didn't get me invested into this character by going, oh, I'm not leaving this place until I get my kid. I thought you just wanted out, and then maybe you would try to come back and get your kid later, but first you wanted to go. I thought that was the whole thing. I thought that was the plan. I thought that was the deal. I thought that was the idea. That's what I was rooting for, and then you screwed me. You screwed me, Alfred. I'm here rooting for you, like, like you're the Steelers going to the Super Bowl, and then you get right to the Super Bowl, and you're like, oh, by the way, we didn't really want to win, because we've already won six of these in our franchise's history, so we're just going to lay down and let the other team score all the points. We'll get them next year. No, I'm leaving. I'm turning in my terrible towel. I'm done. I'm tapping out. I'm not, I was never invested in you getting your entire family out of there. Just you. And then I guess in the third season, I fell off. But I, I found out that in the third season, she starts running like this underground railroad to get everyone else out, which is great. And then apparently she has another chance to get people out. And once again, she doesn't go. So what's season four going to be? Season four, she tries to get all the pets out of Gilead. Every injured animal that they're going to hang on the wall, like a rabbit with three feet and like an overweight cat, they're just going to put them in like a Noah's Ark situation and ship them off to Canada. And she's going to go and she's like, no, I still got to get my daughter. Get your daughter and go. Stop wasting my time. I have been on the border of being clinically depressed watching this program. It is incredibly depressing. I'm just rooting for you to get the hell out of this horrible situation, and you keep getting right to the finish line going, oh, I forgot my coat. No. And the other thing that's frustrating in this show, every time like something happens where she has to hurry, she never hurries. She never hurries. She couldn't pick up the pace if she wanted to. She's like, uh, she'll get, someone will run up to her and be like, tonight's the night, you gotta go, there's someone waiting out in the front. They're going to take care of Get down there. And then she's like, okay. And then she waddles back to her room and she starts folding her favorite t-shirts and she's collecting pictures off the wall for her travels. And then she's getting one more play of the music box as this little ballerina goes around. And then she daydreams about the first time she walked in. And then she daydreams about being free. And then she daydreams about the life she had before. And then she puts the music box away puts on a sensible coat because it's chilly outside and then she very leisurely goes and makes her way down the stairs gets halfway down decides she has to turn around because she left the light on in her room electric bills and then she makes her way back down and she's like to which way go 
this isn't the time to lollygag. No one's going to be offended in the house that you didn't say goodbye. They understand. They get it. They don't want to be there either. Leave. All post haste. If that was me and they're like, tonight's the night, you got to be ready in five minutes. I'm like, I'm ready now. And they're like, you don't have pants. I'm like, I don't need pants. They have pants in Canada. They have pants. They got shoes. They got fresh underwear. They got everything I need. Freedom included. Canada. I don't want to be here. I don't need to get any pants. I could have one shoe on and nothing else. And I'd be like, I'll pick up everything else on the way. Did you say I could get out of here? Did you say I don't have to live in this horrible situation anymore? Good. I'm gone. Bye. Au revoir. If that's, if you want to be cultured about it. That show lost me. You had me and you lost me. Because you changed the rules. I understood the rules to be June wants to get out of this situation. Not that June's going to get everyone else out of the situation before she leaves. She's acting like uh, like the captain of the Titanic. Like she has to go down with the ship if everyone isn't evacuated. You're not. You didn't create this. Leave. 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 We're over here screaming at our TVs for you to leave. And you keep staying. Almost as a begrudging middle finger to all the viewers. We're your fans. We want you to... Leave. Get out of there. Like, what is the ultimate goal? That she's going to have everyone evacuate Gilead? Aren't they going to notice eventually when all the commanders are coming down? Like, I asked for tea like an hour ago. Where is... Ugh. Nick, get the car. Where's Nick? I don't have a driver? Where is everybody? And that's when you're going to make a run for it? You can't evacuate everybody. The pickings are going to look slim, and they're going to start to get suspicious. Leave. This is an every-man-for-himself situation. That's how I read it. Maybe I read the story wrong. Maybe I came into this with the wrong mindset, but I, I was under the assumption that this was an every-man-for-himself situation. Apparently not. I'm out. I hope she gets out. By the looks of it, she's going to get everybody else out. And then if they do one of those things where she gets her daughter out and then they shoot her at the end and she doesn't survive, I'm not even going to give them the opportunity to screw me over like that because I'm leaving early. I already know what you're doing. This show is like a bad relationship. I know where it's going and I've only stuck around to see what happens next. But I, to this point, there's enough of a pattern to where I get it. You're going to keep letting me down. You're going to keep raising my hopes. You're going to keep punching me in the heart. And at the end, you're going to leave me anyway. So I'm out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be smart. I'm going to be mature. And I'm going to cut this off at the pass. I don't need this. I don't need this emotional stress. Especially at a time like this. Do you realize I have to cover my face outside? I don't have room for this. I don't know if I could put up with this show if everything was normal. I can't fly. I got 160 Delta, 160,000 Delta Gold Medallion member miles that are worthless, and I'm over here having to watch this. This woman that just won't go to Canada. Leave. Leave June. All right. I didn't. I didn't know I was gonna get that emotional about it, but you know, you watch. I think if you add up all the episodes that I've watched, I've watched almost three days worth, almost 72 hours of depression I've watched witnessed I witnessed too and I've just wanted this character to get out and she won't leave and now I'm not a fan now I'm like good stay I hope you never get out 
keep tiptoeing to the finish line and then go, oh, I'm going to run the race again. Well, I'm done watching you run. I should open with that. That's a good opener right there. What else was there? Oh, while I'm in a heated moment, while I'm in a heated mood, uh, <laughs> last week I got into a good hour-long argument with AT&T. AT&T is my cell phone provider and my lovely internet provider for uh, Casa de Casas over here, and uh, also known as the Compound. Um, and they, they raised my internet bill by $30. So I called them up. And they, I already knew what was going to happen. They're like, let's see what I can do. And I knew they were going to knock it down some, but we weren't going to get all $30 knocked off. And they didn't. They ended up doing something, so I got $20 knocked off. So now my internet bill is only $10 higher than it was last year. And then it will happen again next year. I already know this rigmarole. Next year, I'm going to open a bill and go, oh, we're $30 high again. And I'm going to call them up, and then they'll take $20 off again. Now I'm paying $20 more than the initial year I signed up but it's still $20 less than I would have had to pay then. Does that make sense? I'm not a math guy, but I think that all added up. So I call them about that, they fix that. Then I remembered, I remembered this. Last year when I signed up, they said I was supposed to get a $200 gift card in the mail, $200 Visa gift card to spend as I wish, and I would have spent it as I wished. I would have had a good time. I never got the gift card, and they said, I remember when I signed up, they're like, please allow like a few months for this to come in. That's what they said, a few. And I'm like, how long is a few? And they're like, three months. Please allow like three, four months to get this card mailed to you because it has to get processed and then la 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 la. And I'm like, fair enough. I'll give you the time. And a few months goes by. They never sent it. I kind of forget about it. Then I kind of remember. I'm like, what happened to that card? So I bring it up. I bring it up on this phone call. I go, hey, when I initially signed up last year, I was supposed to get a $200 gift card for signing up with AT&T. And the, and the lady I was talking to, she's like, I can't help you. You have to call this other number. They didn't even transfer me, which is a bad sign. If you're talking to AT&T or any company and they don't transfer you to the department you're supposed to talk to, they instead give you a phone number that you have to write down and then call later in a separate transaction, that means nothing good is about to happen and they don't want you on the hotline that comes with the survey at the end of the phone call. You're calling like their dead-end number. You're essentially calling Gilead in Handmaid's Tale. That's what you're doing. You're calling these people. The people on the other line at this phone number, these are not happy people. These are people that have gotten in trouble at AT&T, and they've been sent to this department as punishment. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that this department is, in, is located in an undesirable part of the country, Let's say Delaware. Let's say it's in the depths of Delaware, not even close to Philly, as far away from Philadelphia as you can get on the island or state of Delaware. That's where this is. You're on punishment, and you're living in Delaware, and that's the hotline. And I call them up, and I tell them my situation, and they go, oh, well, you had four months to tell us that you haven't received your gift card to get your gift card, and now time has run out. Time has run out on the deal we made to you, which I don't know how that works. I don't know how you can promise me something, never send it, and then say, well, you never said anything about it, so I don't owe it to you anymore. That's like if I lent out my camera to somebody and hadn't asked for it back, and then like a month later, I'm like, hey, are you done with that camera? And they're like, you should have told me in two weeks, I don't owe you this camera anymore. 
That's what they're doing. They're essentially stealing something from me that they never initially gave to me. You just promised it to me. I didn't even ask for it. You brought it up. I called to sign up to internet with you. And you go, hey, it's your lucky damn day. You're getting an extra $200 on a cool little credit card looking gift card. We're going to send you that USPS certified mail right to your mailbox. You can walk around spending cash at the bar like Ric Flair. I was excited. I had a bedazzled robe ready. Tell me I didn't. And then it never comes. And then they say it's my fault. They say it's my fault for not calling in enough time to get the thing that you told me you were going to give me. And I explain all this to her very nicely. And I go, listen, I understand you're not the guy. You're not the person responsible for bending me over my dinner table and giving it to me in my pink. All right? I understand that. There's probably a better way to word that, but I've already said it. I know you're not the person responsible. I just want you to tell me that what has happened was wrong. And she's like, I'm really sorry. She has to, She's sticking to the script. But I keep wording what I'm saying to her in a way where she has to pause for a two Mississippi and understand which canned response she spoon-fed from AT&T to give me. And I'm not against this person. She's at work. She's paying the bills. She's paying rent. She's paying her mortgage. She's paying. She's paying. She's working. I'm not mad at her. I'm mad at the top. Whatever board, you know, you drive by and you see the skyscraper of AT&T and you look up at the top and you're like, how strong of an earthquake to get the people at the top but not injure anyone below? What kind of magical earthquake would it take? What kind of magical terrorist attack would it take to where everyone down here, ship shape, a-okay, but everyone in the top has to talk to me. That's what I want it to be. If I was a terrorist, I would never hurt anybody. But I would force everyone to listen to me for five minutes, which I guess is kidnapping, which is still very illegal. So legally, I wouldn't do that. This is all very hypothetical. But I was on the phone with her, and I was trying to t- get her to tell me that what has happened to me was wrong. She wouldn't. And then the part that got me the best right at the end She's like, oh, before I let you go, I have a, I have an offer I wanted to share with you. She, and then she tries, she proceeds to try to sell me cable at a discounted rate. And then I kid you not, after 25 minutes of explaining how wrong what she, her company did to me was with these gift cards that I never got, she said that if I sign up for this discounted cable, I would get a $200 gift card Visa gift card in the mail. And I there was a pause. There was about a three to four Mississippi dead air. And then I said, are you kidding me? Did you just make me an offer that I'm calling to complain that I never got again to me? I must have sounded stupid this entire conversation. And she goes, so you don't want it? I yeah. And I hung up. AT&T, you get away with murder because no one knows your face. Who runs AT&T? Who's, who's the guy or gal? Who's the entity? Who is Mr. or Mrs. AT&T? Who's that person? We don't have a face. We just have a voice that we talk to that sometimes that voice isn't even in this country. And we know that the person we're, not ta- we're talking to isn't the person worthy of yelling at because they're just trying to buy some groceries. Damn it. Like if I did, I was thinking about that if I did that. If I did that. Let's say I put on a comedy show and I sold tickets and I said, hey, 
the first 10 people that buy tickets to my comedy show in wherever the hell, you will get a $200 gift card from Visa, and I will mail those out to you. People would be like, hell yeah, the ticket to the show is only 20 bucks. We're making 180 bucks here. This is awesome. So, and then imagine the show happens, they don't get their gift cards, they're like, hey, where are our gift cards? I'm like, oh, those will be mailed out to you in the next few months. And then a few months later, they call me and they go, hey, I never got the gift card. And I go, oh, well, you didn't call within enough time. You're supposed to call me in 90 days. Today marks 95 days. So I'm sorry, but I'm not going to be able to send you those gift cards. I would be hunted down and dragged out of my house in a pool of my own blood, beaten in public. But because AT&T doesn't, and we don't know who the hell that is, no one's held accountable. No one's held accountable. Because I don't, for all of those companies, I'm not just picking on AT&T. We've been through this with AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile. Every every cable provider in the country, Dish, DirecTV, uh, trying to cancel a gym membership. I think we should make a law that says every company has to have a face, and that's the name of your company. Like every time AT&T changes CEOs, that's now the name of AT&T. So we know where to send our hate mail. I just want an address. I just want an address that even if... I'm able to get through the gates, the front gates of this gated community in my little Honda Fit. I can at least do circles around the mansion and make him nervous. Just make him nervous. A little. He deserves five minutes. I deserve five minutes of his time to tell him, hey, you bent me over. You bent me over in front of my family. I don't have a family. But if I had a family, it's pretty much the same. How dare you? For shame. For shame. It would be a lot of that. Very ranty today. Very ranty. Between Handmaid's Tale, AT&T gift card that I never got. Very upsetting. Um, what else is there? Oh, uh, I'm a big UFC fan, as a lot of you guys know. I'm a big fan of the UFC. I like watching people fight. I watched a street fight the other day. It wasn't sanctioned. Uh, no one was an athlete. And it showed. It showed with the punches thrown and the punches received and the punches missed. I just like watching fighting. I don't know. I think it's built in because testosterone, I think the men have. I don't know. It's two people squabbling. and I'm like, I hope this fly. And then that's me. I don't want to be in a fight. I never want to be in a fight. I'm terrified to fight. I'd run away. But if two people going at it and it seems, you know, like they both agreed, I'm like, yes, I will watch. If it's the UFC and you have a good matchup, a good card, maybe a trash talker versus another trash, whatever, take my money immediately. I want to watch those people fight. Um, but the, the guy who runs it, Dana White, it came out last week because the Republican National Convention was going on, and he gave a speech, a very pro-Trump speech, and I was on Twitter, and people were shocked. There, I was surprised how many people were shocked that uh, Dana White, the guy from the UFC, is a fan of Trump. Like, do you watch the product? What part of... He, Dana White runs a company where his employees fight almost naked in a cage. Like Roman gladiators, Christians to the lions. And you're surprised? You thought he was a Bernie guy? You thought he was a universal health care, universal basic income guy? There's people that break his face or break their own face in a cage fight on a weekly basis. 
put their lives on the line, go into a fight looking one way, and then leave looking a completely different way that will never go back. You ever look at some of their eyes? Their eyes aren't the same. And then they get punch drunk, they get some CTE going. That's the company he runs, which for once again, I'm a fan of. But never once was I delusional enough to believe that guy votes like I vote. I I know who I know I, I assumed I knew what he was and what he believed in and what his political beliefs were. I was guessing, and then he was on there and it confirmed it. And I was like, Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. I didn't think the guy running a fighting company would then go like, you know what, we need to help uh immigrants. I didn't think that was his thing. I wouldn't have get that would have been a, a weird, you know curve, a turn, if you will. Dana White is exactly who you should have thought he was. I know it goes against the area you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but sometimes there's a reason that saying exists, and there's a reason why people do sometimes, because there's people like Dana White. He runs a UFC company. He's brash, he's a talker, he likes fighters that are big trash talkers. The president likes to trash talk. That's his guy. They like... I don't, I don't, I don't think this is, uh, you know, this mystery needs a detective. Like, how did these two things work together? They work together very well. It's a round hole and a round peg going right into it. Just perfect. You don't even need to lube the sides. They fit perfectly. Two peas in a pod. Puzzle pieces coming together. Are these visuals helping? He's exactly who he portrayed to be, which I actually admire. I'm a fan of the UFC. I don't agree with Dana White politically, but I've watched him talk. I've watched his product. That seems right in line. Here's some other guesses uh, of people that, or industries that I support that I'm sure don't vote like me. I'm also a big wrestling fan. I, I think Vince McMahon isn't Vince McMahon's wife, I think, is is in Trump's cabinet. I still watch wrestling. I'm still signed up for the WWE Network. They take 10 bucks a month from me. I know they don't vote like I do, but I'm okay with that because I didn't watch wrestling because I'm like, this is where I get my political ideals from. I don't watch UFC to find out how I should vote in November. The guy's in Metallica. I think James Hetfield likes to hunt. He's a real manly man. I doubt that guy votes like me. I don't know who he votes for, but I bet he doesn't line up with my beliefs. But I, I still like listening to Sad But True. It's a good song. Fitting song title for this conversation. One-sided, albeit, but conversation nonetheless. I don't get it. It's, the clues are right there. Dana White is a fan of the president. And also, I ne- I'm never in the school of thought of like, oh, if this person in entertainment doesn't line up with my political beliefs, I no longer like the entertainment. You really, all you're doing is you're hurting yourself. You're not hurting their bottom line because there's not enough of you. No matter what you believe, no matter which way you vote, it's that person, if they're rich, they're still going to be rich. They're not going to notice that 20 people didn't show up. Because most people don't feel that way. Most people know that, yeah, that guy probably doesn't vote like I do, but he plays the guitar really good, so I'm going to buy a CD. 
Who buys CDs? Ugh, I just showed my age. Anyway, Dana White, total Trump supporter, of course. And I'm assuming that a lot of other things I support probably support the president. Or like, you know, they're like, rah, rah, that guy. But that's not why I watch it, you know? Those are the same people that say I shouldn't watch or be a fan of the NFL because a bunch of NFL players uh, uh, committed domestic violence. That's not why I watch. I watch because I like football. I'm not watching for the domestic violence. That's not why I'm into it. Weird way to end. (laughs) But there. Uh, I think that's it. I think I had a couple more things to talk about. Oh, there's a parkour video. Let's end it with something jolly. I got two jolly things to say, and then we'll get out of here. Two jolly things. Uh, You know, that's one way to say it. Uh, If you don't follow me on Twitter, follow me on Twitter, at Zoltan Comedy. Because this is where I'm going. A lot of times I retweet things just so I can reference them on this podcast. That's what I do. It's kind of how I treat Twitter. I treat it as a way to keep notes. Um, There was a guy, uh, I don't know if you watched this. I'm going to watch this video right here. There's a parkour guy. Here it is. That's so cool. That is... And he does a backflip at the end. So, if you're li- like, there's a guy who scales down the side of a of what looks like a parking structure, like Spider-Man, and makes it all of the way to the bottom and does a backflip. And it's incredibly entertaining and awe-inspiring. But the way I saw it was, that's the only guy that's going to survive this apocalypse, which is like tomorrow. Let's be honest with the way things are going. Have you looked outside? There's riots, there's protests, there's a virus, there's hurricanes. I mean, it's pretty apparent that God is trying to destroy his Sim City and start over. And I think the only people that have a chance of surviving are these parkour guys. These guys that can, like, scale down the side of a building with no ropes, not even special shoes. Just in a pair of vans and a hoodie, just scale on down. Who would have thought parkour was the necessary skill set one needs to have to survive the apocalypse. Everyone else has been wasting money on jujitsu. No, you're not gonna you're not gonna you're not gonna put a toppling building in a Kimura lock and survive. You are gonna need to scale down it. And if you wanna find a mate to restart society with, you better do it with some flair. Maybe a backflip at the end like this fella here. Parkour. Everyone should be signing up for parkour classes. I don't even know if there are parkour classes. I'm guessing that's something that maybe only happens in Santa Monica. But if there is someone, if you happen to be walking down the street and there's some guy just doing flips over a park bench for seemingly no reason, talk to that guy. Get a business card if you want to survive. If not, if you're like, I've seen enough, I've done enough, I've lived enough, well then just keep eating Shake Shack burgers like this guy and write it out. Unpaid plug for Shake Shack. What a burger. Parkour, man. Jiu-jitsu is not the way to survive this. Yoga definitely isn't. Uh, Vegetarianism or veganism. Carnivorian, where you just eat meat and butter. That ain't it. Boxing classes, that's not it. Cycling, what are you going to do? Cycle? The road's broken up. Everything's on fire. That bike's already been 
broken up and used by weapons. Is, you know, what are you going to do with it? Parkour. Parkour and canned soup. That's all you should be collecting. You should be collecting nice, like, Adidas track suits to do the parkour in. The ones with the pockets so you can put a couple cans of soup. Uh, with the pop top, because you're not going to have room for an opener. And that's how you survive the apocalypse, I believe. I'm guessing. But it looks like that's it. At least be an extra in an action movie or something. Um, the other thing I wanted to play... And this is like to leave on a happy note. Uh, this came up... My uh, The guy who runs BoxFit, my buddy Mike, actually sent this to me. He texted this to me. This was tweeted uh, by Mike Altamura. It's a boxing thing. Uh, on this day, 27 years ago, Tim Doughboy Tomashek had a few birthday brewskis, stepped in at 90 minutes notice for a fight for the world heavyweight title, uh, then delivered the most entertaining post-fight interview of all time. Another reason I love boxing and fighting is that there's a bunch of people that fight that still have day jobs. And sometimes people cancel and you get a phone call last minute. This guy was having birthday beers. So he kind of fought this fight drunk. And he lost. He didn't win. He wasn't prepared. He was uh, he was ready for ice cream cake and Bud Lights. But instead he was in the ring fighting. And here's his uh, post-fight interview. We are back here at the Kemp Arena in Kansas City, Missouri, where we have a special guy who gave a good effort, Tim Tomaszek. Tim, a lot of times we've had you on only once or twice. You've been anxious to get on again. You didn't think we'd be in this circumstance. Oh, no. Jeepers, creepers. Not, not at all. Everybody who works doesn't even probably know I'm on. I do uh, work at Chapco. Hello, everybody from Green Bay. I love you, Mom and Dad and everybody. Eh? All right, this is a big moment for you. Now, you did perform pretty well there for a few rounds. His power was really the oh, thing that jeepers. made it. Well, I'm a good-looking guy. Can't you see? Jesus. <laughs> but uh, he's too strong. Eh? He's a very good man. And all the Morrisons, I know everybody, you know, and uh, just too strong, too big, eh? All right, let's take a look. Now, you did have your interesting moments in this fight. And in this case, tell me Watch exactly this. from a boxing strategy standpoint what you were doing here. Praying to mom. Mom, help me. The kid's got these strong guys in their own jeepers. This too strong. Look at him, boy. You got hit by the referee there. And, uh... Oh, they're all against me. I love this crowd, though, eh? <laughs> I'm just waving like a, I love this guy. All right, now, you, you had a big moment here tonight. And you made an effort. I got to ask you something. Why don't you get down and fight in the cruiserweight division? We like you might, here too much. You man. might, you might well, we beat fought not the world champion, remember? We I fought against Wamba. And uh, you, you went the distance. Me. And they, I know. They tricked they me. Trick you? Uh, free wine on the flight. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, Tim, congratulations. Thank you. I love everybody. I love Green Bay chapter. Tim Tomasek, <laughs> he and I are going out on leave. Happy birthday, Tim Tomasek, Doughboy. Uh, I feel like. I hope he's still alive. I hope he's doing well. I feel like that's the type of person that might be able to bring us all together. Uh, that kind of personality. Just jeepers creepers. Oh boy. I. How can you hate that guy? That guy goes. I think he covers all the bases. One, he seems incredibly and genuinely sweet, and kind of dopey and lighthearted and affectionate at the same time. But he's also a boxer. So he could appeal to both sides. He could appeal to the left and the right. The right kind of has like this badass, kind of gruff, old school kind of vibe to him. That appeals to them because they're, you know, he's out there boxing. 
And then on the left, everyone's like, can't we all just hug and love each other? Jeepers Creepers, yes we can. Look at him. That's, I think he could be our modern day Mr. Rogers to bring us all together. A little bit of unity in a time of such division. Come on, Doughboy. I don't know what you got. I hope you're alive and well and healthy. And if you're able, you need to step up there. Someone needs to start that man a Twitter account, Instagram, make him a TikTok. And just play that interview. He'll have a million followers by the end of the day. Incredibly lovable. He is the man of unity. If he, I, It might be too soon, but if we could somehow get him to run for president, I, I even people that love either of the other two, I think they'd go, I gotta vote for Doughboy. This is the guy. This is the guy that's gonna make Americans hug again. I think he's the guy. I wanted to hug him, and it was just a minute and 30 second video. Of him going, ah, I'm just a Midwest bumpkin. How lovable. That's a good man right there. Uh, I think that's the episode for this week. Uh, Oh, last thing I'm going to do is I want to give my special shout out to all the cat people, cat person level members on on my YouTube page. If you want to support, go and subscribe to my YouTube channel. And uh, what you do is then you go over here. uh, You go over to this thing. And, um, wait, how do we do it? Monetization. I gotta go find the list of members. I actually had my second laptop out ready and prepared for this, and I'm still screwing it up. Filter. These are all the people at the cat person level. If you want to support the channel, go subscribe to my YouTube channel and look into being a member uh here we go elena 1960 at live stephanie m who's hilarious on our weekly lives julia avina isa don ellen chestnut renea spaulding thank you for also joining us on our weekly live uh dustin henson craig rapaport good san marcos man there judy dean Ema Catherine Maya, another one that's always in on our weekly lives. Marilyn RX, Diana Norton, Laura Rolfson, Annette, another live member of Always Coming By. Sarah Zanto, uh, all the way in Australia. Uh, Marley Garrison Quay, Tat P, Alan Nugent, Laura Horstra, and Danny Cox. Thank you so much for supporting this program. This program. I just sounded like a KPBS commercial. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to the show, supporting us. Don't forget to leave a five-star review and a comment. I'll read that in the opening buffer next week. I think that's all the housekeeping stuff. Have a great week. Everybody love everybody. The infamous words of Jackie Moon. Hmm? Hmm? I think that's good. Have a great week, everybody, on the iTunes and Spotify. Thank you for listening. You guys are all good people. I think you know that, but... You guys could use a little reminder, right? Maybe. Well, I did it anyway.